If you'll turn with me to Psalm 84, please. Psalm 84. I'll get there in just a few minutes. You know how I am. All right, we've been talking about the one thing and we've um, talked about minimizing the distractions that we have at the beginning of this year that we always have throughout the year, but you know, now's the time to start working on that so that we minimize those distractions. And, um, you know, the reality is our distractions, they can be good things to do as well. But if they're not a God thing, then they're not a good thing. Okay, and it's robbing us of what God wants to do in our lives. And so be careful of even the good things that can distract us because, you know, we can get so busy doing good things that we still leave God out. And, uh, you know, we looked in the past at Simeon and Anna and how they saw the baby Jesus too, just like everybody else, but they saw more than everybody else as well. They saw what was in him and the seed and the life and the salvation and the deliverance that was in him as well. So... They saw what everybody else saw, but because of the one thing that they had on their mind, which was God in His presence, they were able to see something different. And, you know, we can live our life casually with God and not see Him, not see what He wants to do in our lives and just live life normal. Well, you're not called to be normal. You're called to be strange. Peculiar. For Him. You know, don't be strange just because you're strange, but be strange because of Him. You know, because you're loving when everybody else is hating. You're being kind when everybody else isn't being kind. You're working hard at work because you're serving a living God and everybody else is just goofing off. You know, that that's what He's looking for in our lives. Um... We've looked at Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. We're not going to do that. But uh, in Psalm 27, I know you, I told you to go to 84, so stay in 84. But here's what Psalm 27, 4 said. And we looked at this the last time we were together. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. And that's what God wants from all of us. And, you know, the best person that you can be is the person who has this as they're in their heart and mind first. Seeking after him first. And that brings me to Psalm 84, verse 1. And uh, if I speak too fast, it's being recorded. So if you can't listen as fast as I'm speaking, you can go back and listen to it, okay? But Psalm 84, verse 1 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. And here's a focus of the one thing that the psalmist had here as they wrote. And it was the presence of God, being in the presence of God as much as possible. I mean, look at how he's just how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. I mean, he's talking about the presence of God. Yeah, there's the temple, but he's talking about the presence of God. 
my soul longs, yes, faints for. And, you know, I just wonder, is that our attitude when we come in here? When we're at work on Monday, is that what our attitude is? Do we have Him on our mind? I've shared before that what you look for is exactly what you're going to find. And so when you think of your life, what do you see before you? Because what you see is exactly what you've looked for. And so if you don't like what you have, then start seeing something a little different. Change the way you're looking. Change at what you're looking at. Change what your heart longs for. You know, um, I, I don't know how it was in the past, but nowadays it seems as if people love to be victims and so they look for ways to be victims. Well, if you look for ways to be a victim, then guess what? You're going to be a victim. And you're going to be miserable. And you will attract people, but there'll be other victims. And then you'll have your pity party together and then you know, you're going to think everything is great, but nothing has changed. So it could be time to look somewhere else, somewhere better, somewhere healthier. Stay in Psalm 84 because we're going to go through it. But I want to read out of James chapter 4 real quick. Verse 4 says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is en enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? In other words, God is he's jealous about spending that time with us. Verse six. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I just want to comment on this for a moment. You can't resist the devil without first submitting to God. <laughs> you see, we live a Christian life to where we just want to rebuke the devil all the time, but we don't want to submit to God. Well, then you have no authority. The authority comes when we submit to God. But that's not my message. Verse 8 is... <laughs> He says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And here's another misconception that Christians have. They think that God is going to draw near to them no matter what. Well, that's not what it says. He says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. So if you're not drawing near to God, does he have an obligation to draw near to you? No, he doesn't. But your best life is when you draw near to God. The reason we've had those testimonies this morning is because those two people decided to draw near to God and look what happened to them. And that's what God wants for all of our lives. And so if we would just be faithful to do that, because then he and, you know, the last part of this verse might throw you a little bit. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Look, if you draw near to God, he'll begin to work on those things that you need to work on. He'll he'll work with you. But it starts with us drawing near to God first. You know, there's so many times we're off on our own thing and then we're like, well, God, where are you? <laughs> I'm back there. Where are you? You left me, remember? You're seeking after all of these other things. I'm right here. 
And so it's our responsibility to draw near to Him. And so since He's given us that opportunity, the question we have to ask is, are we drawing near to Him? And again, we've started off this new year fasting and praying and seeking God. And um, though we're coming to an end, we don't have to stop seeking Him. We don't have to stop placing Him first and making Him the one thing that our heart cries out for. And again, there's the blessing in seeking God and causing Him to be the one thing in our hearts and in our minds. Back to Psalm 84. Verse 3 says this. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. You want to be blessed? Dwell in His house. Sing praises. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are the highways to Zion. And that's that one thing. That's it. putting Him first and, and drawing close to Him. Verse 6 says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they will make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers its pool. And um, the valley of Baca is a place of weeping. It's a place, it's a barren place because of what has happened in your life. And, and, and you just have cr your, your tears, you're crying because of your life and what has happened to it. But he says, as they go through, everybody say go through. <laughs> you see, some of you have camped in the Valley of Baca. He didn't want you to camp there. He wants you to go through it. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. In other words, something changes. And when you get in the presence of God, I'm telling you, something changes. Their early rain also covers it with pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Wouldn't you like that to be your testimony? I'm going from strength to strength. I'm getting better to better. I'm getting more and more like Jesus. Why? Because of the presence of God. And in verse 10. Psalm 84 verse 10 says this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I, I, I would love to say that most of us don't live like that. We're so busy trying to solve things in our own understanding, in our own strength, in our own wisdom. And we spend time doing that. And he says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Why? Because it's the presence of God. And and. The psalmist is letting us know that when you're in the presence of God, then you've got it. You've got it all. You've got everything that you have need of. And, you know, even the concept, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. In other words, this is the thought that I, I would, God, I would rather do anything. I, I would do anything so I can get into your presence. And I just wonder, is that our heart's cry? 
Is that what we're longing for? Or is it, oh man, it's Sunday morning. It's cold out there. I got to get up. I got to get the car warmed up. I got to put all these clothes on. Really? You have to do that? Let's just think of all the people that don't have to do that. Think of all the people that are without a vehicle to get into. Go to a third world country and you'll see that they still serve God and they don't have all that you have. A little bit of inconvenience on our part and we're like, oh. And their heart is, I, I, whatever it takes. If I've got to clean the toilets, I want to be in your presence, God. If I have to scrub the floors in your house to be in your presence, I'll do it, Lord. Verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know, and I just think, how much time do we spend trying to get things when God says, if you just come after me, I'll give them to you. He says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know, that means you don't have to strive. If you're going to strive, strive to be in his presence. Strive to, to meet with him and, and to be able to love on him. This is a heart crying, a heart hungry for the presence of God, seeking Him first. The best place we can live our lives from is from His presence to function as He has created us. You know, I, I mentioned last week, and, and I just want to remind you, of, or the last time we met, it says the more focused we are on why we are alive, the less it takes to encourage us. And you can see this in this psalm. When you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, when you know that He created you for a purpose and you're walking in that, you don't need encouragement. Everything doesn't have to be going right in your life. You can still love and serve God no matter what is happening. When, you, when you're called and you know that and, and you're called and you know that you want to be in His presence, what can keep you? What can distract you? What can come between you and Him when you're drawing close to Him? We have to have that one thing on our hearts and minds, God's presence. And they're saying, I'll do whatever it takes to get in your presence, God. And I just wonder, what if we all had this on our minds, on our hearts, when we gather together? God, we just want your presence here. How enticing would that be to God to have a place that he knows that they're hungry for him? They're, they're anticipating him showing up. They're anticipating him doing the miraculous, doing what only he can do. You know, and I, I'm not a, ashamed of starting a service off Praying for healing. Why not? He's the God who heals, so let's let Him heal. And the older I get, the more I want Him to be looking down on me. Heal Him.
Turn with me to Mark chapter 12, please. And, you know, sometimes I think we approach God too casually, and myself included. All of us will have that tendency to where he's more of an afterthought for us than a first thought for us. We seek him after we've exhausted all our efforts and wisdom. You know, we, we try and scheme and figure things out. and It never works out, never gets any better for us. When he needs to be the first thought. You know, we have a tendency to turn to our friends to help secure our pity party and our circumstances haven't changed, but we feel better because someone agrees with us. They agree with the fact that we've been wronged. Raise your hand if you've ever been wronged. All right. You know, so you can decide to stay a victim. And when you're in that place and you're, you're seeking after your friends and, and you're that victim, then all you have are kudos of people saluting you because you're a victim. But you don't change. Your circumstances haven't changed, but you know you feel better because you have all these likes that they all acknowledge you're a victim. Okay. You're a victim, now what? In Mark chapter 12. Verse 28 says this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, ask him, Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, verse 29, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no one, no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart, and with all your understanding, and with all your strength and to love one's neighbor as yourself. In is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. And we'll just pause there for a moment. This scribe heard something, saw something understood something that nobody else did. When asked what was the greatest, Jesus gives them the answer about loving God with everything that you are. And then at the end, he makes this. Is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. In other words, what he's saying is, this is what Jesus is saying. Look, your mission is to love me. To love God with everything that is in me. To love my presence. To love being with me. And I just want to ask ourselves, is that us? Is that you? Is that the way you live your life? This scribe started to get a glimpse of what God was really saying through Jesus here. Verse 34. 
And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Okay, so he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Being in the presence of God is not a one-time act. It's a daily act. It's an ongoing act. It's making a decision every moment of your life. You can be in the presence of God when you're at the dentist. Probably help if you were. You can be in the presence of God when you're at work. And you know, you don't have to do a dance. You don't have to make a lot of noise or anything like that. He, he can be right there with you. You know, you don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to go into a trance to get His presence or anything like that. Just be normal. Because when your heart's desire is to draw close to you, He says, I'm going to draw close to you then. You know, you don't have to spin anything to get His presence. Just draw close to Him. Have a hunger and a heart towards Him. What would happen in our lives, in our hearts, if we put this commandment first? If we sought God with everything that we are? How would this transform how we live, the decisions that we make, the way we treat others, the kind of work we perform? How we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we invest? How would this change how we think, what we think on? Are we anxious or are we at peace? Are we hopeful or are we in despair? If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, please. We'll close with this. Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse 31. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first, everybody say, seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its trouble. And I read this, and I, I want us to understand that the world is going to do everything it can in its power to get our eyes off of the one thing. To get our eyes off of the presence of God. Off of God Himself. The world doesn't want you walking with God. The world will come up with all kind of excuses for you not to be walking with God. At times, you will come up with your own excuses. But the promise here is, is if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, He says, all of these things will be added unto you. All of them. And, you know, we have it backwards. We try 
getting all of those things thinking that they're going to make us happy. And when all of those things that we're after make us happy, then we're going to really love God. No, you're not. Because there'll be something else right out there, right beyond your reach that you don't have yet that you think, well, if I just had that, my life would be complete. I would be so happy. No, you won't. No, you won't. Do you know what happens when you put Mark chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 6 together for your life? And James, and you start drawing close to God and you start hungering for His presence. Do you know what happens? At least this is how I found it out in my life. He doesn't talk to me about my excuses. He doesn't talk to me about all the people who have wronged me. In my life, what He talks to me about is me. He talks about Richard's heart. He talks about what's going on with me. He, he doesn't bring in other people. I may try and bring him in, but he doesn't allow it. He just he wants to deal with Richard. And then I realize that this is what he wants to deal with Richard about. This is what he wants Richard to understand. How much Richard is loved. How much God is for Richard. And if there's something in my heart that he thinks he needs to heal and touch, and, and there are, then he begins to do that. But he begins by giving me revelation of who he is, and this is what he does. And I, I trust that it works in you too. This is what he starts talking to me about. He starts talking to me about how much he loves me. How wonderful it is for me and him to spend time together. That's what he talks to me about. And that places a hunger and a thirst in me for more of him. And I know that if we will seek him, he'll do the same for you. And can I tell you something? We all need to hear that more and more for our own self. I don't, you know, I do need to hear it for y'all, but I need to hear it from him for me. Because when I hear him talk about me and the love that he has for me, then I'm going to love you better. Because I know that's how he loves you too. Let's stand together. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And we thank you for this time that we have together weekly. But Lord, I thank you that there's a time that you long for, from each and every one of us, individually. And Lord, I pray that it would be our heart's desire 
that we would draw close to you so that you would have the opportunity to draw close to us. That you would give us the strength to go to the next strength, to be able to love you even more and to be blessed by how you love us and how good you are for us and how much you are for us. Wanting us to be secure in your love for us. Lord, help us to have that heart, that hunger. Help us to carve out the time that we can spend with you so that we can hear your love story about us. And then we can fulfill Mark chapter 12. And we can go out and we can love others as you have loved us. Lord, help, that, help us to make that our goal. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord bless you. If you need prayer, feel free to come up. And the leadership would be delighted to pray with you.